0: because they're quick ones well the phone rings in the synagogue office hello is this Rabbi Schwartz the caller asked it is this is the Internal Revenue Service we wonder if you can help us I'll try do you know Herman Cohen I do is this man a member of your congregation he is did he donate ten thousand dollars he will) <laughs> here's one more for you a preacher trained his horse to go when he said praise the lord and to stop when he said amen the preacher mounted the horse said praise the lord and went for a ride when he wanted to stop for lunch he said amen he took off again saying praise the lord the horse started going toward the edge of a cliff the preacher got excited and said, whoa. Then he remembered and said, amen. And the horse stopped at the edge of the cliff. The preacher was so relieved and grateful that he looked up to heaven and said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day. You can tell you made this one, Lord. <laughs> it's such a gorgeous day. We thank you for all of the your beautiful children that you have sent here to come together, your family, to worship you, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for using me today, Lord. Thank you the, for the anointing that flows through me and through your precious word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in your church, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This treasure that Paul is talking about, is the light of God shining in the hearts of believers through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there, the couple of scriptures prior to 2 Corinthians 4, 7, verses 5 and 6 say this. Paul said, For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ, our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of the darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ colossians chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 says the mystery god had a secret hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Who are the saints? Every believer in Jesus Christ. So God had a big mystery, a big secret. The the prophets of old, all the things that Randy was talking about, he's reading through the he started for the third trip around through the Bible, and he's in Leviticus. And, and every time he goes through it, everything is, means more, and it comes off the page more. He said, It's not like reading a book, it's because it's, it's alive and active. We know the Word of God is the Word of God, just written down by men for God. Amen. Amen. This mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's that's all of us. It was at one time, are the riches of the glory. How many of you know now you're a Jew? <laughs> the real Jews are all the believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. But to God chose but God chose to them to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, some lights are gonna come on today. Amen. Ah Thank you, Lord. What was he talking about? So there's the treasure. There's treasure is the light of God shining in the hearts of us through through Jesus Christ. And what's this what's this uh, this jar of clay that, that we have it hidden in, this vessel, this is the physical body that we walk around this earth in. Huh? Amen. This is a this is a metaphor that Paul used to compare the relative worthlessness of our bodies to the great value of Jesus Christ in us. Amen. Our bodies are like clay pots. Just earthen vessels that contain the precious treasure of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God didn't change our weak bodies at salvation. Our spirit man was renewed and then sealed, perfect forever. One third of your salvation is over. Amen. Amen. Now our soulless realm is being, trying to catch up with the spirit. Come to agree with the spirit through this word and through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And then this earth suit, this clay pot will just follow suit. Yeah. Yes, it will. Amen. Amen. He didn't change the, this weak vessel, this body at salvation. Why? So that we wouldn't try and take credit for what's been done. For the power that flows through us. Or should be flowing through us. Toward a sick and dying world. He wants and he deserves all the credit and all the glory amen 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 31 tells us that God God did this on purpose and it goes on to elaborate on this and it tells us what we really are so we can stay humble huh it says in verse 26 for consider your calling brethren He's trying to remind you when you, when you, when you, well, some of you might have been raised up. I'm not raising my hand because I'm one of them. I'm saying there might be one or two or three of you that were raised up in a, a wonderful Christian home and environment. And from the day you were born, you were set apart and taught correctly. And your parents did exactly what they're supposed to do as parents, which is their only responsibility is to train you up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, that wasn't done for me. And I didn't do it for anyone else, I'm sorry to say. But neither did the early church. Listen, he says, consider your calling. He's talking about remember when you were called. For most of us is when we had to really hit the bottom really hard for the last time and, and bounce as high as the heavens. Calling out to the Lord. Remember your calling. He said, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. I, I, okay, that's me, I I wasn't, and not many were powerful, nope, not many of you were of noble birth, nope, I I, I heard it, my uncle said that I was related to Meriwether Lewis of the Lewis and Clark expedition, but I didn't get anything from it, amen, maybe a sense of direction, I don't know, (laughs) no, I didn't get that, my wife says, okay, okay, (laughs) I got a feeling Clark was the leader of that, Then he? Pocahontas helped them more than anybody. So <laughs> it says, but God chose. Okay, he did this on purpose. He, he chose what is foolish in the world. That's, that was us. <laughs> to shame the wise. Those who are wise in their own eyes and worldly standards, you see? God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. See? Those who live according to their own wisdom and power and excellence and all the things that God gave them to be a blessing to others that they credit to themselves. You see, God's mocking them now. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Yes. Yes. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Say this, I'm nothing without Jesus, I'm nothing without Jesus. but I'm never without Jesus. And I can do all things things. through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. Giddy up. Romans 8 verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11. You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the spirit. Okay, he's talking about. He's making a comparison here. Those who are who live are governed by the flesh and those who are governed by the spirit of God. If the spirit of God lives in you, he says you're not controlled by the flesh, but by the spirit. So he's making some great assumptions here. And we need to go ahead and just reckon ourselves this way. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. Okay, that's clear. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Remember last week I told you about the four deaths that took place when at salvation, when you believe. Death to sin, death to self, death to the law, nothing else to accuse you, and death to the world. Because I'm free of myself and of you and of the world, I can be honest and open with you. I don't have to look around the, the church and take an inventory. Who's here? What are they going through? How much do they give? Let me be careful. Let me, let me govern my, my message accordingly so as not to offend. Would that be fair to you? No. Yeah. God dealt with me that about that if, while he was calling me to the ministry. And I was saying, nah, what do you want me for? There's preachers everywhere, church on every corner. They all disagree. What am I supposed to say? You'll have to teach me. And he said, okay. And that's one of the things he taught me. Don't you ever bring my standard down to accommodate your standard of living or anyone else's. It's not fair to them. They get to decide. Yes. Amen. When they stand before me one day, they'll be giving account. Of how they handled the truth. How they handled the son, my son, in this life. Amen. Amen. So I have to present him as accurately as I know. Amen. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. This clay pot, this earthen vessel... Through His Spirit who lives in you. See? If I'm in Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and now gives life to this mortal body. Why? Because I died on the cross with Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Because we called to a life of faith. Last week, I taught on a revelation of the grace of God, didn't I? Was it good? Did anybody gain anything from that? But we're called to live a life of faith, aren't we? So faith is imperative, and it's in, it's 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 just as important to understand faith as it is to understand grace, because you can't separate the two. So a life of faith is is our that that spiritual sight, that spiritual hearing and knowing and trusting and believing in. God. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11 one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. The NIV, uh, NIV says it like this. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Revisiting meditating on this yesterday. I just went on and on and just 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 the Lord had me just paused on that just to try and Unpack it once again for the thousandth time. It's an expression of the whole man. Our faith is. The spirit, the soul, and the body. First Thessalonians 5.23. We're three part beings. Amen. It has to be. It, it, it's It's dominated by our inner knowing. An unction. A knowing of God. A dependence and a a trust on God. A reliance upon Him in a supernatural reality. A reality that created the things that we can see from things that we can't. Which can't be observed with the natural senses. Amen. Jesus, our great model and our Lord and Savior, our God in whom we trust. He he lived a life. Of faith. Didn't he? In relationship with the father. With the Holy Spirit. He said I only only do what I see my father do. And it wasn't always easy. There were times when there were great crowds following Jesus. One day they wanted to go and take him and make him king. And he took off and went to be with the father. He knew the hearts in them. They were just. They just wanted him because he had fed them. <laughs> they wanted to make him a, a general, a conquering king and run out the Romans and all that. They weren't looking for a spiritual savior, which is what they needed the most. And you know, you have his faith now. The, the life that I now live, the King James got it right. I live by the faith of Christ, not faith in Christ. It's his faith. Yeah. You're in him, and he is in you. You're one. Yeah. Remember when, when the sisters Mary and Martha they they sent they sent to Jesus, and they told him. They said, uh, "The one you love," talking about their brother Lazarus, his great friend. They said, "He he's sick. He's sick," and that's in John chapter eleven. And uh, and Jesus and. Uh, It says, sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, oh no. Well, that's been going around. It's the season for that. No, he didn't. He didn't say anything like that. There was no season for sickness with Jesus and there shouldn't be with us either. Amen. It shouldn't be an annual event. What did he do? When Jesus heard it, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The garden of our heart, where all the seed that we take in through these eye and ear gates is germinating and taking root and bearing fruit. He said, this illness does not lead to death. He wasn't there. He said, this illness does not lead to death. Instantly, he spoke his faith. He spoke faith into that situation. He spoke life into that situation, didn't he? But we know that he didn't go to him right away, did he? He stuck around two more days where he was. Well, hey, you would have too, probably. They had just tried to kill him where where Lazarus was. And his disciples reminded him of this when he decided to go there a couple days later. But, you know, he said in verse uh, 11, he says, uh, after saying the, these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So they've been talking about this and, and all this. And, you know, and they're like, oh, if he's asleep, he'll get better. See, Jesus was very reluctant to tell these carnal disciples that Lazarus had died. He knew it. But he said he's asleep. <laughs> and. And. He said, but I go to awaken him. And then they said, well, if he he sleeps, he'll get better and so forth. So he was forced not to deny the facts. Huh? Mm -hmm. This isn't Christian science, folks. If you cut your arm off, you don't need to say, that's not my arm. That's not Christian or science. We don't have to deny the facts. We don't have to deny the things that try to come against us. We just don't stop short of saying, but God... By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. We speak life and faith into the situation. We call those things that be not as though they were, not just thinking if we just keep saying the right things, maybe we'll see it. That's not faith. That's not faith. Jesus didn't have any. Jesus didn't say, man, I hope if I say he'll live, he will. No. There was no doubt. There was no wavering. There was no double-mindedness. Then he told them plainly, verses 14 and 15. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And then he goes on, and for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there. So that you may believe. So again, he's always, then he says, but let us go to him. It was always faith with him. You see, it was always, he was always kingdom minded. He always Had his his mind on things above and not on things below. It was always giving glory to God the Father. Never wavering. He had great resolve to accomplish the mission that he came to accomplish. You know what it is to be carnal? Many times we have just a very terrible concept of that term. Carnal is just controlled by your natural, your five senses, folks. It doesn't necessarily mean sinful. It's just natural. But Romans 8, 6 says, for to set the mind. Remember, I had a whole message uh, or series or whatever. I don't do series, but sometimes they turn into them. I think I did a bunch about setting our mind. It's a choice is what that implies and tells us. We set our minds. We can control our thoughts, right? But to set the mind on the flesh, okay, on these five senses then, right? Just the things that you hear, smell, taste, feel, and touch, is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, is life and peace. Amen. Amen. So we look to the, the spiritual man, the new creation. Anyone who's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Remember the skunk story. (laughs) Savannah, live that with me. Amen. (laughs) So we look to the new creation and he is called to or she is called to walk by faith. Faith. Romans 117 says the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The justified ones. Whoever believes on Jesus, the blood of Christ has justified you, just as if I'd never sinned. Amen. The just shall live by faith. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Does that mean we just shut down everything and just go around bumping into doors? No. Our natural senses are a blessing. God is not weird, or, or, you know, it's not just, people need to be reasonable. God, there's a scripture, God even says, come, let's reason together. In Amos Amos 3, 3, he said, how can two walk together, lest they be agreed, you know? Uh, My just shall live by faith, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So... The spiritual man is dominated by a sixth sense. We do have a sixth sense. We have something that the world doesn't have. And it's faith in the unseen goodness and promises and provision of our Lord and Savior. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, and to to learn, you have to practice walking by faith. You can't you can't microwave it. I I see people all, all the time and talk to them and God bless them that just they just, you know, as long as you can live without God, they just do, you know, and then in a crisis situation, at least they're wise enough to turn to God. But then they expect for faith to just rise up and it's just not it's just the weakest muscle in their body. And you can't, you know, wait till somebody's breaking in your house to run down to the gym and work out. It, you get my point. You know, to do this, I heard someone saying, you just have to you, think about going to a red light. Think about your natural senses for a moment. If we, if we go to a red light. Are we are we relying on our hearing? Our hear our touch, our taste, our smell. No. We're just relying on that one sense, aren't we? Sight. Yeah. And the same way, you know, like my wife, you know, when she gets off work, she's hungry. And she <laughs> you know how like yeah, y'all, anybody who's been to lunch with me after church on a Sunday, what do I always do? Get her, to go. Get her to go food. And you know what she does? A happy dance. I know how to make this girl happy. And uh, some enchiladas, so we'll do it every time, i tell you. so. But and she's not hard to please. <laughs> she, she don't ask for much, but man, when I, when I do it right, I can tell. Well, she just gets giddy, right? And so... But, you know, I could, and I, there's certain things that we cook. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good cook when I apply myself. She is too, but she just doesn't have the time. And so, but they like it when I cook. Even her people from work, they call me, Mr. Will, Mr. Will, make this, make that. <clears throat> but my mama made some stew that we grew up with, Tavana and I. And, mama, and Tavana has her old mama's old stew pot. They were very close. In a weird way, man. Because man. my mama was a little bit... You got to be good to to love my mama like Tavana did. Because <laughs> it wasn't always easy. Praise God. But you could walk into that house and... Ooh. Mama made stew. Just one sense. Just the smell, you know. And it's the same way what I'm, I'm trying to get... It's the same way walking by faith. It's that sixth sense. We only usually have to disregard one one other sense to to get into faith. Huh? Because sometimes what will cause us to fear is something we see, you know? Or something that the doctor says, something we hear. Or a pain that we feel, huh? Huh? And if we can just disregard that one other thing and magnify or amplify the thing that God has said, because that spiritual truth trumps that physical fact. And if you will stand on it and believe in it, it will come into fruition and it will override and dominate those worldly facts. Do do you believe, how many of you are are born again? Did you see that happen? How many of you believe that there's a Lamb's book of life and your name is written in it? Have you ever seen it? That's faith. That's faith. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, We are saved by grace. Through faith. So we need both. We need both. The grace of God. Remember. What is it? God's riches at Christ's expense. Huh? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's The grace of God is the grace of God. It's It's available to everyone, isn't it? But it has to be received by faith. Faith is the hand that. Reaches out and obtains the things provided by grace. Otherwise, the grace of God remains of no benefit. And faith without Jesus is just religion. A believer needs to be a believing believer. (laughs) It's good to be a believing believer. Amen? (laughs) In Jesus' don't. If Jesus didn't provide it through the atonement of the cross, you're not going to get it by believing for it. If you do, it ain't going to be from God. Now, the tragedy is that many churches in the world have taught that, you know, just the grace of God is just the forgiveness of our sins. And and one day when we all get to heaven, what a wonderful day it will be. And yes, it will. But it says left people crippled and helpless and hopeless in this life. And that's not that's 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 not fair. Because there were so many divine exchanges that took place at the cross. Just read Isaiah fifty three. But then back up from the fifth verse, which says by his stripes we were healed and how he took all of these terrible things of ours in exchange and exchanged them with all his goodness. But the first and second verse in the, in the chapter says, but who has believed our report and who has experienced the arm of the Lord, the strength and power of the Lord, who has come to know it and believe it? Colossians 2, 6 says, as you have received Jesus, how did you receive Jesus? The grace of God made him available and everything that comes with him and everything that he has and everything he is and his own faith and all of the things we talk about. So uh, by grace, through faith, through faith, when you believe, when you heard the gospel that Jesus had died for your sins and he was just Wanting you to come on home and come on in. And you said, I believe. And you received. So as you have received Jesus, it says, so walk in Him. So walk in Him. See, the world, the world, for the world, happiness depends on happenings. (laughs) Doesn't it? But to the saints, the peace Love, joy, and power of God are abiding fruit of the Spirit of God within you. Hallelujah. Every good thing, every good thing is from God. Jesus said, Jesus said, only God is good. Didn't he say that? He said, what are you calling me good for? He told this guy, he was just kind of tricking him. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. The guy should have said, that's right, and I'm calling you good, Lord. He would have been right. But he was trying to find the guy's motives, and he did. He exposed the, never never mind, I can't preach on that today. But Jesus said, only God is good. And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. That means he is faithful. Just like when Jesus gave us his peace in John 14, 27. Yeah, not as the world gives do I give to you. I'm not going to take it back. You can trust in me. I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want everything that God has for me. And nothing that he doesn't. I want all of it though. Don't you? You should. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, said, ask, seek, not. Didn't he? Ask, seek, not. He's saying, ask me about the things that you are sure are of me. Seek me about the things you're unsure of. Lord, is this of you? (laughs) And then keep on knocking. Go for it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit the race. Faith is imperative. We don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> man, we could turn that into a great Christian song. We should do that, man. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting in God. And, and listen, believe big, folks. Amen. Believe big. 2 Corinthians 4.7. Remember, the, this power is in these jars of clay, these earthen vessels. It's not us. It's Christ in us. It's the power of God so that the glory all goes to God. Remember in 2 Kings um, chapter 6. When Elisha, with an S, the protege of Elijah, um, he had really ticked off this uh, Syrian king because he was reading his mail spiritually, huh? He was listening to all the plans of this king against uh, against uh, the people of God and the armies of God, huh? And so then Elisha was just telling them where to be and where not to be and what this plan was. There's the plans of this king evil king were and he was thwarting all their efforts and he thought he had a spy and uh and they said it's not a spy they've got a prophet and he tells them what's going on even in your know inner circle you know so he was after him to kill him and in the night Elisha just had his uh his servant there with him his 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 uh his protege and and he he, the, this king sent an army in, a huge army, in, and he surrounded the town, right? And in the morning, the, the Elisha's servant gets up and goes out. Uh, what in the world? They're surrounded by an army just for, just for that one little prophet. And he goes in, he tells him, he's, he gets into Fear. Let me just read to you verse 14 of chapter 6. of 2nd King. He, he sent there, this evil king. He sent there horses and chariots, a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Things went south and he went with them. <laughs> He fell apart like a $3 suitcase. He said, and here's what Elisha said. It didn't say he he ran out to go see. I don't think he even left the the tent. I don't think he stepped outside even. That's just me because it doesn't elaborate on us. But he just said, do not be afraid. That's in the Bible like once for every day of the year. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I'm sure the young man went. (laughs) So what then Elijah prayed and he said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Now, I don't know if he opened his, if he let him see. If he tore the veil back and let him see with his natural eyes or if he opened his spiritual understanding and let him see by faith. But he said, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Glory. Hallelujah. So, yeah, there was an army out to get them, but there was a bigger army with them. A more powerful army. I told you about the angel that killed 180,000 in one night. That's only because that's all there was. (laughs) So probably only needed to send Gabriel or Michael, you know. But there was an army. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear him and delivereth them. I I believe Elisha knew that. I believe Elisha walked in that. Elisha had seen Elijah, his mentor, taken up by those same chariots. You see, he saw him be taken up to heaven that way. And I think he just walked around with a, a constant awareness of the presence of God and the armies of God and the power of God available to him and for him and the protection of the Lord that was in place. Amen. Folks, God's no respecter of persons. You are way greater than, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived, besides himself, of course, up until that time. But he said the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. So all the Old Testament prophets and everyone who wrote in long Long to know and to see what you now have, you you have in a little earthen vessel. But you need to believe it. You need to get back. Remember last week I talked to that about that, that awestruck struck wonder. You need to get that again. Jesus said, unless you change, become like the little children. Humble yourself, he said. I said, well, children aren't that humble usually. But what it is is that, that, that amazement, that wonder, that total dependence upon someone. You need to get like that again. You need to dream big. You need to talk to the Lord about this and ask Him to put His dreams in your heart again. Bigger than you. Something bigger than you. If it's something you can do in your own strength, in your own power, in your own finances, it's just not God. Why? Because God wants the glory. Amen. And listen, here, here's the good news. We don't have to pay for the dreams that God puts in our hearts. All we have to do is believe. That's our part. Believe and receive, or doubt and do without. But we can only appropriate the dreams that God places in our hearts by faith. They don't just come to pass. Well, God knows that I have this need. You're going to keep on needing it, I'm afraid. I'm not saying he can't or won't. He makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. And he's always trying to find ways. But he's got spiritual laws in place that he's just really wanting you to take advantage of. They're there for your benefit and not to harm you. Amen. Amen. We need to... Some of us just need to relight that... Thinking of those jack-o'-lanterns now. (laughs) I do the pumpkin thing about how God just cleaned us out and carved a new smiling face on us and we're like a, a pumpkin, you know. Hand those things out. But some of us need to just relight that candle in this jar, you know. In this earthen vessel. Just, 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 just relight the candle. Remember the... I pray that you consider, maybe we read this week the story about the, the ten virgins. And remember how five of them kept their kept their lamps full, the oil, you know. They stayed with God. They meditated on the promises and the truth and provision of God. They stayed in his presence. They walked by faith. And then there was five that just lived by their natural senses. They were just carnal. They didn't mean to get away from God, but they did. And then when he came, they they, they told the others, five, please give us some of your oil. And they said, we can't. Go buy some for yourself. And they, they can't. We won't have enough. It would be too late, you see. Just need to tap on that light fixture. Get that bulb burning bright again. Huh? Get the connection going. God hasn't turned off his transmitter, it's our receiver that gets tuned in, Tokyo. Huh? And I want to tell you this, folks it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Oh, who's he talking to besides me? It's not over yet. Let me tell you a little story and then I'll end. You ever heard of John, the Apostle John? The one who leaned over and laid his head on Jesus' chest at the dinner, the Last Supper. The one who Jesus, hanging on the cross, because he had such a An understanding and a knowing of the love that Jesus had for him. He was the only one of spiritual employment at the foot of the cross when all the others had ran off. He was there with Jesus' mother. And Jesus said, go live with him from now on. Instead of his real brothers who hadn't, you know, they had to see first before they believed. That apostle John, he lived a blessed life, wouldn't you say? I love John so much. He walked with Jesus literally and spiritually his whole life. You know, history tells us that at one time, John uh, pastored the, the biggest church in the world. And then when he was 90 years old, he was in a, a desolate obscure place of isolation and exile on the island of Patmos. 90 years old. An old man. And you know, I was thinking, John could have easily said, well, I've, I've done and, and seen enough. You know, I've run my race. I'll just get my fishing pole and wait on the Lord to call me home. And it probably would have been Okay. I mean, he had done a lot. But at the age of 90 years old, in exile on the island of Patmos, he was seeking God. He was still seeking God. And he was praying in the Spirit one day. And he was caught up to heaven. And the Lord downloaded into him, through him, the last book of the Bible, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? What a powerful book. Most preachers don't preach on it because most of us don't really fully understand it. I feel like I know a lot about it, but i if everyone's honest, they'll tell you the same thing. But it's still real. <laughs> and God still wants to use you. That's, that's, that's my point, folks. God can do more with one week of your life than you did with... <laughs> Six or seven decades or nine. (laughs) He has great plans in store for everyone. Everyone who continues to believe and to, to seek him. We need to get that childlike wonder back into our lives, into our hearts. And we need to begin to dream big. We don't have to live or die sick, folks. We don't have to be broke. We don't have to be depressed or oppressed we need to some of you need to just start that new business some of you believing for a, a bigger house a better house don't don't feel like you're humble just by saying oh this is good enough for me Lord no dream big if God put that desire in your heart go for it where he guides he provides amen, amen. <laughs> Trust God to bring your family to church. To, to deliver your children from drugs or alcohol or those friends or those get those co-workers saved. Believe big. Just start speaking it out by faith. Just, just believe and, and just wrap everything that you do, every seed you sow into the kingdom. Whether it's by word or deed or finances or anything else, just wrap expectancy around this. Don't expect anybody, anything back from that person. Expect it back from God however He wants to get it to you, but a hundredfold return. Amen. Amen. If it's just an act of kindness, expect people just to be knocking on your door just to give you a hug, folks. I'm telling you. You can't out-give God if your motive is giving it to the kingdom, to, to God, to, to glorify God, see? And not this earthen vessel. <laughs> He loves you. He has great things. And all things are possible to those who believe. God is faithful. Yes, yes, he is. You don't have to leave here sick today if you came that way. Right. Just make up your mind. See yourself healed. See yourself whole. See yourself prosperous. 3 John 2, God said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. If that's God's will for your life, and the grace of God has provided that through the atonement, which it has, then you might as well believe for it, huh? Yes. Praise God. Yes. We need to learn to live from the inside out, folks. Anybody want to begin to start on that journey with me? Renew our commitment to that, to rekindle those fires within us, the, the <laughs> lamp of the light of God, and let it shine brighter we need to tap into it we need to get your hopes up yes. the world teach you don't get your hopes up we'll just wait and see we don't want anyone to be disappointed that is the exact opposite of what God tells us to do All right. All right. y'all receive anything today? Yes. are you blessed? Yes. you know he loves you? Praise God. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for loving us so much, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. We call those things that be not as though they were. We just speak prosperity and health and wholeness and peace and love and joy over everyone here and everyone listening. We're calling all their families and all their children into the church, into the fold and family of God. We're just calling everyone here prosperous. They will be blessed to be a blessing, Lord. If that's that's what we're blessed for, how can we ever tell you we've we've got enough or you've done enough? Pour it on, Lord. Give us all that we can handle, Lord. Prepare us to be good stewards of everything that you put in our care and then pour it on, Lord. Help us to be a blessing and to be kingdom builders in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. yeah.